something like I'm ever going to say, but something like you got me just in time. Thank God, I think that might be me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be with you today, and um, we're excited about the word today we're going to bring. And uh, if you have a Bible, why don't you find Mark chapter 11, Mark the 11th chapter, and I want to talk about some things, I know pastors probably talked about some of these things many times, but how many of you need to hear it over and over again? And sometimes you can say something just a little different, and somebody that maybe didn't get it previously will get it. You know, I'm that, I'm that way, you know, certain, certain things talk to me, and, and certain things maybe not as much. How many know what I'm talking about? I, I've, I've had, um, you know, like sometimes I'll read books, you know, and they're good books. I mean, they're, you know, there's nothing wrong with them, but they just don't speak to me because they're just, it's, I'm just not on that same wavelength or something. And then I'll pick up one of Brother Hagin's book, and it's like, well, I'm saying here, I understand his language, his lingo, his books just, maybe they don't read, but his books just talk to me. And so, you know, and so that's, that's why sometimes I'll preach a message, you know, and then I'll preach it again, and, you know, and, but, but when I preach it again, it's like the Lord will just have you preach a little bit different because, you know, somebody needs to hear it just a little different to get it. And so it's like uh, someone said one time, climbing up a mountain, you can go from one side, you see one view, you go up the other side, you see another view, you get to, see, you get to the same place, but, you know, you, you're just seeing different views. And so here's what I want to talk about this morning. It's a long title, you don't have to write all this down if you're taking notes, but you can write part of it down. I want to talk about the God kind of faith versus the Thomas kind of faith. Amen. And you may be saying, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but you, well, you will before we get done. <laughs> there's the God kind of faith, and then there's the Thomas kind of faith. And let me just put this, uh, this in here. Uh, sass from us about being doubting Thomas and so forth. But when you read his history, he came out of it, praise God. But thank God, God, thank God, God puts our, you know, thank God, God, let me say it this way, thank God, God doesn't put all our mistakes in the Bible. Amen. But he put, he put others in there so we can learn from theirs, and, and then we realize we're not as dumb as we thought we are, everybody else is like us, amen. <laughs> now let's go here to Mark chapter 11, and uh, I want to, uh, I'm going to read some verses here, and then I'm going to read some other verses a little further down. Mark chapter 11, go with me to verse 12. The Bible said, on the morrow when they would come from Bethany, that's Jesus and his disciples, it says, soon a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came to happen, perhaps he might find anything thereon. Figs was not yet. And Jesus, notice this, Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And I have this circle in my Bible. And the disciples heard it. Yeah. Now, I think it lets us know that the disciples heard it because Jesus wasn't cursing this fig tree because he was, uh, you know, I just learned this word a few years ago, so you have to work with me. I'm, I, I, I'm a little slow sometimes. The word, you ever heard the word hungry? Yeah. yeah. I never heard that word hungry. Well, I didn't know what it meant, but I found out meant you're hungry and you're angry. I thought, well, that applies to me sometimes. Praise God, hungry. How I many Jesus didn't curse the fig tree because he was hungry? Right. I, he cursed it because he was going to use it for a faith lesson. And he was going to teach his disciples about the God kind of faith. And so he curses this fig tree. Now, you have to understand that when he cursed the fig tree, it didn't immediately wither. So he didn't curse it and say, well, that didn't work. How I many he went his way, didn't he? Right? right? And so you come, you come down now to verse 20. It says, And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Amen. Now, it's important. That, you know, I mean, the Bible is not saying things to be saying things. It lets us know that this fig tree, it didn't curse from the fruit. It didn't curse from the leaves. It cursed from the roots. Right. In other words, the part you can't see died first. And many times in our lives, you know, we give up because the part we can see doesn't die first. But God goes to the roots of things. Amen. Amen. Is that right? right? And so he, he said, you know, he saw it, it would have dried up from the roots, not from the fruits. So sometimes when, when, we, when we're operating or living by faith, we don't necessarily see things immediately, but something's happening. 
I said, something's happening. Amen. You know, a minister said this one time. I never forgot this. He said, you know, he said, I didn't realize what God was doing in my ministry. He said, but, you know, in those days, we, would have, we had cassette tapes. You know, it's a little right thing. How many? How many go far, farther back than that? How many go to eight track? How many go real to real? Remember that? And then, how many go stone tablets? How many, you know, I remember when the cassettes came out, I thought those things won't last. We had eight tracks, you know, that we listened to our music on, you know. You'd have that, remember that? Yeah. Change the track, you know. And, and one of my friends, he got a super uh, pioneer super tuner. And he got a, and I just got a new Pioneer Super Tuner, and I've got an eight track, but he was way ahead of me, I guess, because he he got a new Pioneer Super Tuner for his car, and you know with Jensen speakers, anybody ever know that? And he he got one, and he got a cassette one, and I'm thinking that won't last. Well, I was right. About 30, 30 years later, it went out. Praise God! But the eight tracks went out first. I <laughs> remember that. And so he came out with you know the CDs, and I, I'm I still never did. I never did like those, but anyway. But anyway, what was I talking about? I talk, about, the about the roots. So you can't necessarily see, you know, things change. When you believe in God, you can't necessarily see things change immediately, but that's where it takes faith. Yeah. See, how I many of Jesus had some faith here, didn't he? Yeah. Because he could have said, well, you know, look, look I trained that disciples, I cursed that victory, did it in front of my disciples, and nothing happened. No, this went his way. And the Bible says in the morning, verse 20, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter calling to remember said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Now, how many of the disciples are now impressed? They weren't impressed when he spoke it. But now that they see it, they're impressed. The disciples were amazed when they saw the fig tree withered. How many of Jesus was amazed when he spoke to it? Hey, come on now. There's, real, there's, there's a real revelation there. Because once you get to the point where you really get a hold of the faith of God, you get excited when you just speak to things, when you just start believing for things. Amen. And when the manifestation comes, it's like, well, I knew that was coming all along. There you go. Amen. There you go. That's not, it's okay to adjust and get excited about it. We just had a guy in our church that was diagnosed with, um, uh, help me out, honey. What was he diagnosed with? Cirrhosis of the liver. He wasn't a drinker either. He's not an alcoholic guy. Cirrhosis of the liver, and they're telling him, you know, that you know he's going to have to have a liver transplant. And tell him, you know, this, this succession of things and how it's going to be, you know. And I just said to him, I said, well, you know, Mark, I mean, you know, and of course, he's, he's believing God, and we prayed for him. And, and I just said, I said, you know, Mark, God, hallelujah. There's a God factor here. And, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, and he talked to me. He had an appointment on, on a couple Thursdays ago or Thursday night ago, whatever it was. And we talked to him on Wednesday night. I said, man, hey, we're, we're, we're trusting God. We're believing God. He went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, I can't see that you have it. Hallelujah. He was more excited than you were, but anyway. Uh, he said, the doctor told him, said, you know, you'll die something else when you die of this. Praise God. Well, you know, I mean, hey, you know, God's working even though you don't see it. Amen. Right. Amen. And that's where it was this victory. And, and so when the, the disciples see it, then they're excited. But Jesus is excited for whoever sees it. He's excited when he says it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And then, verse 22, Jesus answered. because they Now, you understand, just follow this in context. They were amazed because that fig tree was cursed. And Jesus answered and said, hey, have faith in God. Mm-hmm. In other words, you could be more like saying, what did you expect would happen? And here's the, here's, the, here's the interesting thing. My cross-reference says this. I have a Cambridge Bible. My cross-reference says have the faith of God. In other words, uh, have the God kind of faith. Actually, the, uh, what translation is it? Um, oh, uh, uh, anyway, another translation. I can't believe exactly what it is. Uh, the Young's Literal Translation actually says have 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 the God kind of faith, or have have the faith of God, have the have the faith of God. What Jesus is telling them is this: What I did to that fig tree, I did by faith in God. Amen. Which means, if you say something, and it's and it's according to the word of God, God will back it. There you go. There you go. God will back it. And so Jesus said, "Have I, I like to say it this way: Have the faith of God." Now he's going to tell them how the faith of God works. He says, for verily I say unto you that whoever, how I many that's, that's you, right? There you go. You say, I, I'm just not much. Well, you are whoever. 
You're a whosoever, because well, I don't have much education. Yeah, but you're still a whosoever. Right. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be, you don't have to be real intelligent to figure this out. Hallelujah. You know, people say, well, you know, they got a PhD and all that, and Brother Hagin used to say, you know, PhD is post hoc digger. That's what that stands for. Because some of them don't know. Just because you got a PhD or something behind your name, doesn't mean you know the Word of God. How many of them mean you know the Word of God? The Word of God is not revealed by man. It's revealed by the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, it doesn't mean you know anything. You don't have to be real smart to figure this out. This was written to us. How many of the Bible says the common people heard him gladly? What's that mean? They understood what he was saying. Amen. They said he didn't speak as the scribes or Pharisees. He spoke like somebody had authority. Somebody knew what they were talking about. A guy preached at our church. You know, he's a friend of mine. He's come several times. He said, he said, Pastor, I want to tell you what one of your people said to me. I'm thinking, oh, no. What do I got to clean up now? But he said, one of your people said to me, he said, you know why we like you? Because you're just like us. He said, that was one of the best compliments I've ever had in my ministry. In other words, the common people understand you. Hallelujah. Amen. So don't, don't make it complicated. It's real simple. Jesus said, this is how the faith of God works. Are you ready now? Verse 23, he says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever, whoever, shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things... What would those things be? Those would be the words that you say. What you say shall come to pass. You will have whatever you say. Therefore I say unto you, what things whatever you pray, when you believe that, therefore what sort of things you pray, what sort of things you desire, excuse me, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. He was telling how the faith of God works. The God kind of faith believes that what it says and what it prays will come to pass regardless of the circumstances. Amen. That's real important. You, you say, that's real simple. I know, I thought you were simple. You just, now, you say, well, does that mean, are you saying to me, Pastor, anything I say or anything I pray for is going to come to pass? No, not anything. The things that you believe. There you go. You got to believe it. Now, now how, how, we all know how faith comes. I know Pastor Mike's taught you many times. We all know how faith comes, don't we? Amen. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? All right, so how does faith come? Just because we made something up and decided we're going to believe this? Just because I decide, you know, like one couple asked me one time, bless their hearts, he's just in the zeal, zeal days before we had sense, come and lay your hands on this bank, and they're going to give me all of its money. I thought, man, if I could do that for you, I'd do it for me first. <laughs> Praise God. But I don't know. I mean, that's called more zeal than sense, Right? Okay, how many of you have a promise in the word of God that God's going to give you all the First National Bank's money? You don't have a word. He's going to give you, I'm going to give you all my money. So, how many of you could say that, but it's not going to come to pass. You could pray that, but it's not going to come to pass. And the reason it's not is because God didn't say it. God had to say it before you can have faith for it. Does that make sense to you? See, yeah. so they're, they're believing for things that really don't have any faith for. They think they do, but it's not true Bible faith. It's just wishful thinking because the Bible has to promise it to you. God has to tell you. Uh, or, you know, or how many of the Holy Ghost could speak to you about something? And, of course, he's always going to speak in line with God's word, right? I mean, I had the Holy Spirit speak to me one time years ago, back in the 90s, about a house and said, this is your house. Well, you know what? The house was for sale. I wasn't covenant. Well, it wasn't for sale. It was for rent. I wasn't covenant it at all. But, you know, the people ended up selling it to me. But see, that's, that's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell me this house on this street is your house. And it doesn't tell me that. But, but yet God does promise to meet my needs, right? Well, I think that would include a house, wouldn't it? And so anyway, even though that's not in the Bible, the Spirit of God spoke that to me when I stepped inside this house. The Spirit of God said, this is your house. And, uh, you know, I asked the people, say, hey, you want to sell me this house? They said, well, no, we're not going to sell this house. And, uh, but they did sell that house two weeks later to me because the Spirit of God said, this is your house. Now, it's not, you understand, I couldn't have just gone and claimed any house, but, but the Spirit of God told me something, and it was in line with God's will for my life. And it didn't cross the word of God. And therefore, I could have faith for it. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. So I enjoyed the house for Phyllis and I for a couple of years or so, and then we moved on. But anyway, I, I just want you to see this. He, you see, regardless of what you see in the natural, 
the, the spirit of the faith of God works. It believes what it says. It believes what it prays. It's going to come to pass regardless of what you see. Most people don't live that way. They live by what they see. Now, certain, certain areas, yeah, you need to live by what you see, but in certain ways, you don't need to live by what you see. You don't need to live by what you see if what you see contradicts what the Word says. Does that make sense to you? What the Word says, that's reality. Amen. Now, he went on to say, talking about the faith of God, let's just throw this in here before we go over to John, his gospel. But verse 25 Jesus said, and how many he connects this with what he's talking about? He's talking about prayer, isn't he? He's talking about saying and praying. How many can say? Nobody? You're in trouble. How many people can say? We all. <laughs> you wait for me to tell you what to say. <laughs> now, I'm just asking you, can you say something? <laughs> can you pray something? Okay. All right. My bad. But how many, if you can pray and say, how many, you, can, you can operate the faith of God. That's what Jesus said. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah. Of course, you're like we said, it's got to be based on what God said, you know. Amen. I mean, we went off the <laughs> we went off the deep end when I first got started in faith. Believe me, we had to learn. And then there was a great man of God. He's in heaven now. His name was Frederick Casey Price, Doctor Price, Pastor Crenshaw Christian Center in Los Angeles. He saw what we all were doing, you know, and he wrote a book called Faith. Foolishness and presumption. You ought to get that book. And he said, he, he taught us how some, some people are operating in faith, some people are operating in foolishness, and some people are just operating in presumption. They just presume God's going to do something when he didn't say he was going to do it. And, and so, you know, I look back on my life after Dr. Price wrote it, after he had authored that book. I looked back on it, I thought, you know, I'm doing all four of these, all three of these things. I'm doing some faith, I'm doing some foolishness, and I'm doing some presumption. And I'm doing some foolishness. So he had to address some of the things because, you know, it comes down to the fact that God didn't tell you you can't have faith for it. But, but there, I mean, there's a lot of things in God's Word God's already promised us. I mean, he's always promised me. He's not, he's not telling me that if we can figure out a way to do it, he'll get it done. He's already told me he's paid the price for my healing. He's already told me he's paid the price for my financial needs, Amen. my salvation, my joy, my gladness. Amen. All that pertains to life and godliness, Peter said, the precious promises, they all pertain to life and godliness. Anything to do with life and godliness, God's got a promise for me. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 And so the devil's not stealing my money, the devil's not stealing my health. Come on, you've got to get bold about it. And just be, be proclaim it. Well, you saw us, you know, you say you never have to battle sick. No, I didn't say that. I said he's not stealing. He's not stealing. He's not kicking me out of my inheritance. There you go. There you go. I haven't inherited. He's not, he's not rooting me out. No, no. Are you listening now? If I ever get out, it's going to be because I chose to, not because he chose to. Now, he may put pressure on me, but I've got to make the decision that I'm going to yield to his pressure. That's the only way I'm getting out of it. It has to be my choice. Y'all with me? How many, we, how many of God's given us authority over the devil? Right. He's already under our feet. He's already defeated. Amen. The only way he can actually defeat us is if he, if he can talk us into listening to him. Right. If he can do that. Amen. Yeah. I mean, I have the devil tell me you should be sad today. Well, why? Well, just because. I say so. Well, I don't, I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> you know, and then he'll come up with reasons why you should be sad. Oh, no, I accept none of those. None of those are valid. But Jesus went on to say, verse 25, he said, when you stand praying, forgive if you have all against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. You know, those verses are connected with what he just said about the faith of God. That's why he said them after he taught us how to use the faith of God. He told us that. Once again, how do we use the faith of God? The faith of God operates by praying and saying. By believing that what you pray, you say, will come to pass regardless of what you see, or you feel, or you hear. People aren't strong enough with this. You know, it's like, well, yeah, that's good. Preach is good in church, but when I get a bad report from the doctor, well, that doesn't change God's word. 
I said it doesn't change God's word. Listen to me. The faith of God, you've got to learn this. I, t- I, I talked to somebody, I think in our church, about this. About, you know, because like, should I go to the doctor or I shouldn't go to the doctor? It's not an issue whether you should go to the doctor or you shouldn't go to the doctor. You should use the faith of God no matter what you do. Right? If you're going to, listen, that's like I told this lady, and we helped her. I said, look, if you're going in for surgery, you use the faith of God that this is going to get fixed. I said, whether you went in or whether you didn't go in, that's not the issue. The issue is it fixed. If you don't go in, if, if God leads you not to go in, then you don't have the assistance of doctors, and it gets fixed. If you do feel like you should go in, go in. You have the assistance of doctors, but believe God, use the faith of God, it's going to get fixed. You arrive at the same place, you just took different roads. What do you want? What do you want, man, in your life? Well, I want that fixed. Well, that, then either way, it's going to get fixed. But you need to decide what road you should take. Amen. Does that make sense to you? Amen. It sure helped her, you know, because she's beat down. Man, I wish I had the faith I didn't have to go to the doctor. Well, wait, let me tell you something. God, God gave doctors wisdom to do what they do. You know, I know some of you are to maybe mess up sometimes, but so do you. Right. Amen. right? You know, that makes that. My, my mom in 1965 or 66, the doctor diagnosed her she was going to be dead in six months. My dad went out and bought all kinds of new furniture for the house. I was like, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a kid living home. I want to get all this new furniture. And that, you know, that's when he told his mom's dying, you know. 1966. She had six months to live. 1966. Hey, what, what year is this? Well, I'm glad you know. Praise God. It's 2023, right? My mom is still alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, here's what happened. The doctor, after a while, you know, he said, I, I, got, I got the wrong, uh, what did the, you know, he sent off for a test and stuff. He got somebody else's or something. And somebody else was dying in six months and mom wasn't. And, wow. You know. Wow. Oh, it's not that bad. You got new furniture out of it. Praise God. <laughs> you know, I guess now that, you know, I'm going to bless her before she goes, you know, so. Amen. <laughs> You know, in those days, that furniture lasted. I, I think they had that table until, you know, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, something like that. Amen. Now, so, so I, I want to just hit on this a little bit, because see, if you have, how many of you got to be a forgiving person? Yeah. If uh, the faith of God is going to work in your life. Right. And you know, you're not going to live this life without, without getting offended, or somebody trying to offend you. I mean, somebody doing something to you. Right. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to forgive. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean you forget about it. It just means you let go of it. You don't pursue them. No, right? I've heard people say, well, if you still remember it, you haven't forgiven. No, come on. You don't remember stuff from years ago. Good, bad, and ugly. What it means is you've dropped the charges. You're not pursuing them. You're not trying to get even. You've let go of it. How many, how many know we need to keep our pipe clean, our spiritual pipe clean, so the faith of God can flow through us? Because there are a lot of people, they're not receiving from God. They're not receiving from the faith of God because their pipe's clogged up because they've got all these offenses. They've held on to everything everybody's ever said about them or done to them or done wrong to them. And you know, it's just not, listen, it's not good for you. Listen, someone said this one time, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hope the other person dies. Yeah. That's right. You say, well, I still remember that thing. That still thing, thing troubles me sometimes. Yeah, but you know, sometimes the, the, it's like this. You know, how many remember there was a lady um, named Corey Ten Boom? She's in heaven now. But anybody remember her story? She was in the concentration camp at Ravensbrück. She was, uh, her and her family lived in Holland, and they were hiding Jews during World War II in her home, and they got caught, and they arrested them, and they sent her and her sister to one camp, her father and mother and maybe some of her other siblings, I can't remember now, to another camp, and they died there. Her sister died in Ravensbrück, but through a clerical error, she was released. She wasn't supposed to be released, but they, they had a number of numbers crossed, and that number, the, the numbers crossed, matched her number that she had tattooed on her arm. They tattooed the numbers on their arm, prisoner, you know, three, four, six, seven, eight. Well, they released three, four, six, seven, eight, and it was supposed to be maybe three, four, six, seven, three, four, six, seven, seven. They released them. They called her number out and let her go. And so it was just God. How do you know that? But anyway, she she said, I thought I'd totally forgiven them, you know, all that, you know. And she said, I'm I'm in there, I'm in speaking in this place, you know, because she became a, a you know a minister. And um, you know, preached and God used her in, in prophetic words, prof- prophecy, really. Uh, but anyway, she she was preaching in one place, and she said, um, you know, that uh, as she was talking about what happened to her after the uh, service was over, this gentleman comes up and 
wants to shake her hand and he says, I want to tell you, I was one of the guards. I think they're at Raven's Brook. She says, I might have been there when you were there. I'm one of the German guards. But, you know, he'd given his life to Jesus Christ, you know, and saw that he was wrong. And, but anyway, she said, he reached out to shake my hand. She said, I felt something. I felt something like, I don't want to shake this guy's hand, you know. She said, that troubled me. And I went to another pastor and told him, you know, said, you know, I mean, when this guy wanted to shake my hand, there's something went off in me. I didn't want to shake his hand. She did shake his hand, but she didn't want to. How many of feelings don't always subside overnight? But she said, you know, she asked this other pastor, and he said to her, he said, you see that bell up there in our church? See that, that cord, you know, that was the days when I rang the bell? He said, he said, when I rang that bell, he said, that bell rings. He said, when I let go of it, he said, you know, that thing still keeps moving for a while before it settles down. He said, that's the way forgiveness is. Forgiveness is letting go of the rope. The bell may still ring, it's may still going to move, but you let go of it. Well, honey, that's a big help to me, because I don't know about you, but I've been there long before but I, I'm not pursuing the charges. There you go. Amen. Now go to John's Gospel, chapter 20. Come on, are you getting something this morning? John chapter 20. Go there, because we're talking about the God kind of faith versus the Thomas kind of faith. Well, who was Thomas? Well, Thomas is one of the Lord's disciples. And um, he had an issue uh, with, with, with doubt, and, and, de- and Jesus dealt with that. And he said some things I want us to read. John chapter 20, look at verse 24. Uh, this is the King James, the Bible says, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, or that word is just a Greek word that means twin, was not with them uh, when Jesus came. When I was a young pastor, you know, I kept in our church, and you know, we believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit like you guys do with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you know, and we preached on it and taught on it. I think we need to get back to preaching and teaching on it a little bit more, uh, you know. Uh, and so we did, you know, pretty regularly and talked about it and emphasized it and so forth. And we had this young couple, they just got saved, they haven't been saved too long. And, um, you know, just a real short time, maybe a couple weeks or three, I can't remember, but anyway. And uh, they were, you know, especially the husband was doubting. They, they were saved, they were fully saved, but they were having some doubts about this baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you know. And, uh, you know, because a lot of people, because you, you know, a lot of people say bad things about us. You know, you're, you're a tongue talker? Yeah, so was Paul, so was James, so was Peter, so was John, so was Mark, so was Barnabas, so was Silas, so was Mother Mary. Hallelujah. So was Jesus' brothers. I think I'll be in their company. How about you? Amen. <laughs> Instead of the unbelief company. But anyway, there's some problems. You know? And so I'm talking to, a, I, I called the husband, the, 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 husband, the, the man, the, fam, the family, uh, either he called me, I can't remember. And he, he said, he said, when I go to pray about this, you know, right. about this baptism of the Holy Spirit and stuff, he said, I keep hearing the word Didymus. Now, he's a baby Christian. He doesn't even know who Didymus is. He hasn't even read this yet. But he said, I keep hearing the word Didymus. He says, what is Didymus? I said, well, Didymus is Thomas. He was called that. That was called, he was called Thomas, was called Didymus. And Thomas was noted for being a doubter. He said, oh, I've been doubting his baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, God knows how to get your attention. And he got baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and, and uh, spoke with tongues, him and his wife both. But God was just like, no, you're doubting, son. How, you know, God, you know, I don't know God could have said, you're doubting. But I mean, he doesn't know what happens. It's like, man, that had to be God. I mean, no. Because yeah. he, he doesn't know Didymus. Sorry. Come on, how do you honest? First time you ever heard the, the name Didymus in your life. <laughs> <laughs> See, because the King James is, is maybe one of the few translations that uses Didymus. Because it's just a Greek. It's just a Greek meaning twin. Now, but notice this. The other, verse 25, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, except I see. Everybody look at that. See. I've got to see something. Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand inside, I will not believe. I mean, that's his choice. He could have just as easily said, I'm going to believe it. Now, why could he say, I'm going to believe it? Because the Lord always said after three days he would rise again. 
Well, he said he'd rise again. But he said, I've got to see it. So after eight days, verse 26, again his disciples were with them, and Thomas was with them. And then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And he said unto Thomas, Reach here your finger, behold my hands, reach here your hand, and put it into my side, or thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And I was reading this verse one day, and I thought, oh my gosh, Jesus hears our unbelief. I thought, man, I want to remember that. He hears my unbelief. He heard Thomas's, didn't he? Yeah. He wasn't there, but he heard it. But he just comes, you know, and I like to think, and I think he did, he just walks through, you know, the Bible says they were all gathered together, and he came and stood in the midst. He just walks through the wall. How I mean, that that'd wake you up. I mean, some, some, come on, you, you got some of you would run. If somebody come walking through that wall, I'm out of here. It'd be like this story I heard. It was Halloween night. And this, uh, these, these people were out, you know, going to a Halloween party, you know. And they were dressed, you know, not goofy stuff, you know. One of them was dressed like the devil, and they had car problems, you know. And the car broke down. It was a Wednesday night. And so they, they started walking down. They were out, kind of out in the boonies a little bit. And they walked down. They saw this country church. They thought, well, maybe we can go in there and use the phone. And that guy walked in there in a the devil costume. And this little old lady gets out in the house and says, don't mess with me. Don't bother me, devil. I've been on your side all along. <laughs> Well, how many of Jesus walked through the wall, somebody walked through the wall, it would make you up, wouldn't it? So the only thing is, he said, look, Thomas, check it out. Now, notice this. Thomas answered, verse 28, said, unto him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, now, Jesus wasn't really thrilled about this. He said unto Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Everybody look at the word, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So the blessing doesn't come unless you use the God kind of faith. The Thomas kind of faith does He didn't say, Thomas, you're blessed. He said, no. They're blessed that believe and they haven't seen. How many believe and you haven't even seen? Right? You're the ones that will walk in the blessing. See, the Bible says, Christ, I love this scripture, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Before, he, in Galatians, Paul said, those that, those that believe are blessed with faithful Abraham. We, we give him the blessing by the God kind of faith. Right. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You know, people, and I've had, and people that should know better, but don't, but you know, sometimes they just, I don't know, they don't get the revelation of it or something. But people will say and have said to me, as a pastor, pastor, they say, well, whatever the Lord wants to do in my life. I mean, that, that, that's, that's not the way it operates. The faith of God says, the faith of God prays according to the will of God. How I many, when you say whatever the Lord wants to do in my life, we're saying we don't know what his will is. Amen. Amen. How many of we need to find out what his will is? Amen. Amen. What, what, what is his will? Well, how, how do I know what his will is? Well, how many of the Bible is his will? How many of it's called the New, New, New Testament? We have the Old Testament. That was God's will. Then God updated it and gave us a New Testament. How many of you have, you know, if you got a will, sometimes maybe you update it, you know? Maybe, maybe, maybe you know, back in the the, the 70s, you were going to leave it to this and that person. And you change your mind and say, I'm not getting anything. I'm updating it. Well, that's, we've got an updated will here. What's in the will? Well, uh, did you know this, Bible, this, this same Bible says that if anybody's sick, they can call for the elders of the church. And they can pray over them. Know them with all the men, Lord, and pray faithfully. What? It will save or deliver or heal the sick. Well, it must be God's will to heal the sick, right? There you go. Amen. But we've got to, we've got to operate on the will, right? I've told this story many times, but we used to have a guy preach for us back in my, the first church I was at. He'd come hold meetings for us. And, um, you know, he, uh, he said one time, he said, I had a guy in my church, and he said he, uh, he was sick, and he woke up one morning sick, and he, he told his wife, he said, call work and tell him I'm not coming. And he said, 
the guy told his pastor this. He said, when my wife was going to call the office and tell them I'm not coming in, he said, the scripture came to me, let them call for the elders of the church. You know what the Bible says? Does the Bible say, if you're sick, call work? Now, I'm not telling you you can't miss work. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, you got to get your, how about give God the first shot? Does that make sense to you? Right? How about let him? How about let's see what he can do, right? You know, and so he says, he said, this, this pastor said, this guy in my church told me, he said, when his wife went to call, he said, that scripture came to him, if there's any second to run, call the elders of the church. He said, he, he hollered back in there to his wife, and he said, honey, put the phone down and call the church office and see if there's anybody in the office that can pray for me. And she, he said this, he said, Pastor, he said, before she got the number dialed, I was healed and got up and went to work. So his pastor started preaching this message, dial for healing. Hallelujah. Well, it's the Bible, right? Of course, it's not the only way to be healed, but it is a way, right? It's a valid way. And so you can do that. You don't have to. You can be that on your own self if you want to. Right? You can have your kids lay hands on you. They got your faith about them, and probably got more than most of God's do. A lot of times. Oh yeah, man! Don't think. Listen, I prayed for a kid one time. I was I was having this prayer line at this church. It wasn't our church. I was another church. I was having this prayer line at church, and I was praying for people, you know. And this little kid comes up in the prayer line, and he's standing before me. And I'm going to guess he was like eight, nine years old, somewhere in that range. And he has a stomach problem, you know. His stomach's hurting him. So I lay hands on him, and. Uh, you know, pray for him and stop. And he looks at me and says, it's still there. I said, well, let me lay hands on you again. I laid my hands on him again. And it's like, and I got done, you know, and he goes, it's still there. I'm thinking, this kid does not know how you do this. This is not the way charismatics do this. You're supposed to take a courtesy drop or something. You're supposed to do something. But this kid, it was so funny because he said, it's still there. So <laughs> I laid hands on him the third time. And prayed for him. Left, and I took my hands off. He goes, "It's gone." I said to Phil, "I said, uh, I said that boy really got healed yeah. <laughs> because he was. He's like, you're telling me God's going to heal him. He ain't leaving until he dies." <laughs> and I remember, I remember this, 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 the third time I prayed for him. I, I started, I, you know, you know, have a conversation with God, and you're not saying anything. I started thinking, Lord, you got to help me here because this boy's not going anywhere. <laughs> He's not taking us. Take it by faith, son. No, he, I want to take it back to my chair. And he did. Amen. Amen. Everybody say blessed. Now, let's go. We've got a little time left. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 4. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians. Not, not Chronicles, Corinthians chapter 4. So what is the God kind of faith? It's real simple. There's a lot of things we can say about the God kind of faith. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm preaching on this morning, Jesus taught us that God kind of faith believes in that what it says and what it prays will come to pass. It doesn't look at the natural. Amen. It looks at God's word. It looks at God's promise. I know this is simple, but so this is the, really if we don't receive this, is we got to go back to this, right? Amen. It's the simple things. Now in Second Corinthians chapter four. Verse 17, the Bible says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. You know, Paul called the afflictions, he had light. <clears throat> he said, Man, I, I got some heavy demons. Well, let, you know, honestly, in the natural, I guess you could say he did too. He got stoned and left for dead. He got beat. I mean, you got to read 1 Corinthians 11 sometimes. And just see all the things he got. I mean, he's left for dead. He got beaten like three, four, five times with 39 stripes. Uh, he's out in the, the ocean floating around for a night and a day. You know, perils of his countrymen, perils of his own brother. He had all kinds of things going on. And you know, he's a guy. He gets, you know, the one place in actually, he got stoned. I believe he literally did die and was raised from the dead. He brushes himself up and says, that was a light affliction. God thinks different than we do, doesn't he? Yeah. One translation, one Bible says, it's one of his paraphrases, it says, it says light afflictions, it says small potatoes. 
<laughs> the small potatoes we're facing in life. And I know sometimes we do face some heavy things, but compared to what God's got for us, it's just small stuff. You know, the worst day you've ever had, I don't know what it was, but the worst day you've ever had, when you get to heaven, it'll seem like nothing because of the glory. Paul said that I, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. We'll forget all about it. Yeah. Amen. We'll forget all about it. Now, <clears throat> he says this. Our light, listen now, let's read this again, verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Why? say, wow. What is he saying? He's saying there is a way that when you go through these light afflictions that the glory will come on the scene. So he said they'll work for us a more exceeding eternal weight of glory. In other words, they'll bring the glory on the scene while. Everybody say while. Because it won't come just, you know, how sometimes religiously people say, you know, everything works together for good to those that love God and something else. No, you got to read it in context. It's not talking about just everything's automatically. you got to do the right things. Here's what you got to do. While we look not at the things which we're saying, but at the things which are not saying, for the things which you're saying are temporary, but the things which are not saying are are eternal. So Paul said, when you're going through a light affliction, the glory will come to you if you're not looking at what you see, but you're looking at what you can't see. Well, how do you see things you can't see? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. You know, I can know I've got something without seeing it. You know, somebody can give me the title, signed over title to their vehicle. Now, I know I've got a vehicle. Why? There wouldn't be a title if I didn't have a vehicle. See, when you understand the Spirit, you couldn't have faith if it wasn't a reality. When you, because you got faith means it. There's a, that's a, faith's your title deed, the Bible says, in the Amplified Bible. It's your title deed. So I can know I have something because God's Word says it. It prompts me. I may not see it, but Paul said, is this making sense to you? Paul said, you can't, you're not to look at your light afflictions. You're to look at what God has provided. And when you do that, the glory will show up. Yes. Amen. Amen. Which means you've got to talk right, right? Amen. Amen. So, so listen. <clears throat> remember this. Remember this story. The, 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 I think it was a ruler of the synagogue. Pastor might be able to help me out on this. That his daughter was dying, and he came to Jesus, and he said, "My little daughter lies at the point of death. She was twelve years old. My only, only, only child. I think it was." He said, "Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she shall live." And of course, Jesus is going with him, you know, and then the moment of the issue of blood, she bumps into him, slows that process down, and she gives her entire testimony, you know, which don't know, you don't know how long that took. That probably took quite a while, because this has been going on for 12 years in her life. And so as, she, as, as uh, Jesus was telling her, uh, go your way, your faith has made you whole, amen. It says, while he was talking, one came and said, don't trouble the master any longer. Your daughter's already died. She's dead. Jesus didn't, I mean, he didn't miss a beat. He just looked at Jerry and said, uh, fear not, all of you, and she shall be made whole. Amen. What was he saying? He said, look, look, man, when you came to me, you took a step of faith. Amen. Amen. Now, settle in your heart, no matter what you look at or what you see or what you feel, don't look at the natural, look at God's word. How many of you before you take a step of faith, you've got to, you got to sell in your heart because there's going to be things come that are going to be opposite. You've got to sell in your heart, this is it. No matter what, no matter what kind of news I get, no matter how bad it gets, I'm going to stick with what God said. Is that making sense to you? Amen. Amen. Listen, <clears throat> Wigglesworth said this one time, and I, I, when I read this quote by him, I, I totally got it. I totally got it. He said, you can never pray the prayer of faith 
if you look at the person who is needing it. There's only one place to look, and that's to Jesus. I thought, that's powerful. Because I don't know, we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. Satan wants to reverse that. He wants to get us to walk by sight, not by faith. <laughs> and every time I've read, read this, well, maybe not every time, but a lot of times when I read this quote, I always think about the very first person I learned to pray for that had just had open heart surgery. Now we're talking, you know, 30-some uh, years ago. It was quite different 30-some years ago than it is today. I mean, they have open heart surgery today, the next day you go back and see them, and they're sitting out, they're outside the bed sitting in a chair. Right. Well, it wasn't that way in those days. And I remember going to see this person, I never forget this, you know, I went to pray for them. You know how pastors already pray for people. And I go into the hospital, and I see this person, and they just had open heart surgery, and there's tubes going every place in them. They were swollen about three times their normal size. They looked like death warmed over. When I went over to pray, I'm not kidding you, it felt like all the faith inside of me just tried to drain right out. Like, it's like, like I had a hole somewhere in them. It's all squirting out. Because of what I saw, I had to bring that back in. I had to plug that hole. I said, no, wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith. Amen. Amen. And so I, I understand that. I understood that. And, and, and I know what we were saying. You can't concentrate on that person and pray the prayer of faith. You've got to look to Jesus and his power because he's able to get anybody up. Amen. Hallelujah. One last scripture. You get something today? Oh, yeah. First Timothy. Go there. We'll close right here. You know, we make faith so hard sometimes, I think. You know, you've got like 17 steps to the highest kind of faith, 32 steps, you know, when you forget your 17 steps and all that. But, you know, Jesus, his disciples said to him one time, he said, Lord, increase our faith. Yeah. And, they, and he said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, be removed and be removed for you. What was that? It's not that complicated, boy. You don't need more faith. Isn't that complicated? Just a little amount there, wrong ways. He said, a little amount. Mustard seed. Well, no, mustard seed is really small. He said, just a mustard seed size. You could, you could say that this sycamine tree be plucked up by the roots and it would obey you. Say the mountain be cast into the, the sea and it would obey you. He was simply saying, boys, it's not a problem of the size of your faith. How many of the Bible tells us when we got uh, born again that God gave us a measure of faith? Amen. Doesn't anybody think you probably have a measure bigger than a mustard seed? Amen. Of course you do. It's a matter of what you do with it. Faith, the God kind of faith works, man, when you start paying attention to what God said and not what it says in the natural. That's the God kind of faith. Look at this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. Paul said this, he said, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning the faith, hath made shipwreck. Now, how many know when you, when you shipwreck a ship, when you, when you, maybe that's not the way to say it, but you know what I'm talking about. When you have a shipwreck, it's because you're not paying attention to your surroundings. Right. How many know, you know, really, uh, this came to me, uh, the uh, captain of the ex- Exxon Valdez, you know, we saw a movie one time, it was a comedy movie, and it's one of the things the guy said, he said, just like the captain of the Exxon Valdez didn't see Alaska floating right in front of him. Well, you know, you know what I'm saying, you remember that story, he, he ran to the ground, and he hit like a barrier reef and punctured a hole, oil spilled out from the Exxon Valdez, and he got all kinds of big trouble, you know, uh, well, the reason that happened, now he wasn't, he wasn't really, uh, uh, he actually wasn't on the deck when it happened, but he should have been. He should have been paying attention. He's let some of the other guys run the ship at the time. But somebody wasn't paying attention to the surroundings. Anybody, any good sailor should have known you don't bring that big boat in that close. Not there. And so, that's what shifted. But see, spiritually, the opposite is true. When you pay attention to the surroundings, it shipwrecks your faith. You follow what I'm saying? In the natural, you've got to pay attention to the surroundings or you'll shipwreck the boat. But in the spirit, you'll shipwreck your faith if you pay attention to the natural surroundings. 
which is exactly what Jesus was telling his disciples. If you say to the mountain, be removed, and don't doubt, it will be removed. In other words, you can't just focus on the mountain. You can't let the side of the mountain overcome your faith. You got to let the, your faith overcome your mountain. We see that one of the, one of the things in the Bible. I like this story. I teach you all this story. I've taught out a number of times about Peter walking on the water. Now, I don't know about you, but I thank God Jesus had a disciple like Peter because he asked questions. And he did stupid things sometimes. And, um, but, uh, he, you know, thank God, we look at, I look at Peter and take a lot of, get a lot of courage because I think, you know, Peter made it. Praise God, all of us can make it. But Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. And he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, well, come. He gets out of the boat. Now, how many of that took some faith? I mean, there's a storm going on. <laughs> it took some faith to get out of that boat, didn't it? And it took something. And uh, he, uh, he starts to walk to Jesus, and he notices the waves are boisterous in the wind, and he becomes afraid. Now, it's easy to critique him hindsight. I wasn't there. But how many of the waves don't have anything to do with you walking on the water? That's like saying, I can walk on the water in the bathtub as long as there's not a fan blowing on it. I mean, uh, you can't do it either way. It's going to take God's power. But, you know, Peter's out there and he sees those circumstances. What happened? Well, he switched from the God kind of faith to the Thomas kind of faith. Amen. And when he does, when he does finally, you know, get out there, he, he sees that, he begins to sing, Jesus grabs him, gets him back to the boat, and says, oh, thou, and I didn't say he didn't have any faith, he said, oh, thou, little faith. Well, he, he, let, he let what he saw weaken his faith. But he, but he had to have some faith to get out, didn't he? I mean, think about it. That would take you, I, I don't know about you, but that you got to climb, you, listen, this, he had to climb over the edge of the boat and get down. And the storm on the waves. So it took some faith. And you know what? Here's what I see. Here's what I see. I see a lot of Christians like Peter. They got enough faith to get out of the boat. They got enough faith to start the process. But they don't have enough faith to stay out. Well, they do, but they, but they let the circumstances rob them of their faith. Now, what I mean? Well, little faith will get you out. It takes great faith to stay out. See, I know, it's easy to start something, but it's a little harder to finish it. It's easy to start believing God for healing, but you've got to stay with it when the waves are blowing. Yeah. When the wind's blowing. You've go. you got to keep walking because you've got to complete the process. And that's where a lot of people miss it. They start looking at what they see and let that talk to them and dictate to them what's going to happen in their life. You should let God's Word dictate you, to you and tell you what's going to happen in your life. Not what you see, what you decided to step out on. He stepped out on the Word come, didn't he? He should have stayed on the Word come. The Word wasn't come and sink. The Word was come. But he switched over to the Thomas kind of faith. Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand up. You get something out of this today? Yes. Thank God for his...